This is our second week of the first series of 2023 uh, called Resolutions. And if you are just joining us last week, uh, we began the year by asking five questions. Uh, so let's uh, poll the audience. Who spent some time with those questions this week? All right. See a few hands there. I see a few notebooks coming out. Uh, the purpose of those five questions was for us to grow an awareness of what 2022 looked like for us, what we're bringing with us into this new year, and then where we would like to see ourselves go in 2023, or what are we hoping to accomplish. And now what I want to do beginning this week for the next three weeks is I want to offer you all three resolutions for this new year. Uh, how many of you have made resolutions for 2023? couple of us. Uh, how many of you have broken those resolutions or given up on them already? <laughs> well, two weeks into the new year, I want to offer you three resolutions that for me are really, really important, and I hope they'll be just as helpful for you. And these resolutions, uh, they'll correspond with our vision. Uh, I think it's always helpful in the beginning of every single year to talk a bit about awaken you this community, what we are doing here, what it is that we are committing to. Uh, here's the thing about, oh, here's the vision for uh, everyone who needs a reminder. Anyone remember? If you've been here for a couple of years, do you even know what the vision is? Could you spout this out? Someone like, hey, what's the vision of Awaken? For some of our visitors here this morning, anyone want to stand up and, hey, here we go. You have it fully memorized. It's a bumper sticker on the back of your car. Here's our vision. Uh, we try to keep it as simple as possible here at Awaken, uh, creating followers of Jesus. That's what we're doing here. Uh, we are attempting to create followers of Jesus. How do we do this? Three ways. By welcoming others into God's love, creating communities of belonging, and loving our neighbors. Again, trying to be as simple and basic as possible, but if you've ever tried living these out, you know how difficult these can be. <laughs> Uh, sometimes we struggle with love. In our mind, it's an ideal that we uh, desire to achieve, but then the nuances of it, the practicalities of it, it can get a bit hazy. It can be difficult. Uh, Jesus' command, love your enemy. I mean, how many of you, you're like, yeah, sign me up for that one. No, we all need some help with that. This morning, I want to talk about that first part of our vision, welcoming others into God's love. And here's something else about our vision here at Awaken. Uh, there's two components of it. There's a collective component of this vision. So when we say that this is who we are at Awaken, that we're creating followers of Jesus by welcoming others into God's love, what we're saying is this is who we are together. This is the type of community that we are. As a whole, all of us combined, every single time that we gather together, we're saying that what we are doing here is we're welcoming others into God's love. Every single person, whenever you walk through that door, whether you've been here for years, if this is your first Sunday, the feel that we want is that you would feel as if you're walking into a place of love. Whenever you're interacting with this community, we desire to be a place where you feel the tangible expression of God's love to you. Uh, what we're also doing is, when we talk about our vision here, uh, we're recommitting ourselves I mentioned uh, membership a little bit earlier. 
The reason why I decided to renew membership every single year is because I think it's really, really important to make intentional decisions about what you're signing up for. Uh, maybe you've been a part of a church before. I've seen this happen before. Uh, people become members of a church, and six months later, two years later, they've forgotten what it is that they've committed themselves to. Or sometimes you sign up uh, to be a member of a church, and then you leave that church, but you're technically still a member of another church. Uh, and so what I wanted to do was every single year wipe the slate clean and then for us to ask the question, is this the group that is helping me in my pursuit of following Jesus? Is this the group, the church, the community, whose vision I, I truly believe in? Uh, that's why I want to talk about the vision again. Uh, can we recommit ourselves to being a people of love? To being a people who welcome others into God's love, each other, uh, and then who welcome every single person who comes through that door and that everyone feels in a tangible way the love of God. Uh, and so my, my hope is that there will be a resounding yes, sign me up for another year. Uh, I'm ready for another go around. Uh, but then there's also a personal component to our vision as well. Uh, it's the practical piece of it. What does it mean for you individually? We can talk about it uh, for us as a whole, as a church, but what does it mean for you? So when we talk about love, how can you be a greater person of love this year? What does it look for you in a very practical way? When we talk about creating followers of Jesus, our large vision, what does it mean for you? How are you individually being formed in this Jesus life, in this way of Jesus? So this morning, uh, I want to talk about the collective, but I also want to talk about the personal, what it means for us, but what it means for you in your everyday lives. Because if we don't talk about that, what's the point? If we talk about ideals, we're up here in the clouds, we don't talk about the practical piece of how this looks when you're talking to the butcher or you're talking to the bus driver, uh, whoever it is that you happen to rub shoulders with throughout the week, then it means nothing. We have to talk about what this means for us in the normal daily lives that we all live. I have titled this sermon, a resolution to love. Very, very basic. I want to offer you three resolutions. Here's the first one. A resolution to love. And there's a story of Jesus in the book of Luke that I think beautifully illustrates this resolution. Uh, we find ourselves this morning, Luke chapter 5, verse 27. And I had forgotten about this story. I came across it a little while ago. And I was just struck by this story in all new ways. Uh, it, it just, it, it did something to me. I saw something that I hadn't seen before, and that's what I want to share with you this morning. We begin. After this, the after this, uh, Jesus had just healed a paralyzed man. This is the story of where there's a man who was paralyzed, and his friends were trying to get him to Jesus because they heard about Jesus as a healer. Uh, there were too many in the crowds. They couldn't push through the crowds, so they opened up the roof and they lowered the man down, and Jesus healed this paralyzed man. So after this had happened, and come on, think about it. If this were to happen down the street from you, uh, there'd be a buzz, would there not? You'd probably hear about this somewhere. Someone would be tweeting about it. It'd be in the newspaper. It'd be all over town. Probably would be uh, picked up by the uh, national news, maybe the global news as well. So there's a buzz about Jesus. 
there's something going like, oh my goodness, did you hear what Jesus just did? So after all this had happened, Jesus went out and he saw a tax collector by the name of Levi, uh, otherwise known as Matthew. Maybe you've heard of Matthew before. He's got one of the, uh, the Gospels that we have in our Bibles. Uh, here his name is Levi. Luke refers to him as, as this. And he's sitting at his tax booth. He's minding his own business. He's doing his thing. And here's Jesus. He walks up to him and he says, follow me. Very simple. Two words. Hey. Well, that's three words, I guess. Hey, follow me. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe it's, hey, follow me. Or maybe it's just he looks at him and he says, follow me. Now, if someone were to walk up to you when you're sitting at work and just says, follow me, you're going to be like, who's this? But remember, there's a buzz about Jesus. Word is going around about who he is and what he's done. And what's Levi's response? He got up. He left everything, and he followed Jesus. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. He threw a party at his house for Jesus, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Why are you hanging out with this crowd? To which Jesus replied, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now in this story, I want to look at three movements. We have the initial call, that follow me. Uh, Then there's the party, the banquet at Levi's house. Uh, And then there's the grumbling and complaining part. Uh, Let's start with the first movement. Follow me. Uh, We mentioned that Levi was at his place of employment. Think about what you do Monday through uh, Friday. Uh, Maybe you work on the weekends. Imagine that you are at your place of employment, doing your thing. All of a sudden, Jesus comes up, follow me. Now, Levi, he's not the most favorable character in the story. When you read about tax collectors, tax collectors... They're kind of like the enemy. Uh, They would have been considered greedy, dishonest. Tax collectors, they were working for the Roman Empire. So in other words, they were working for your enemy. Rome was the foreign empire in charge of Israel at this time. And so a tax collector's job was to go around to the people and make sure that they were paying their taxes to Rome. And Rome had imposed a heavy, heavy financial burden upon the Israelites, upon the Jewish people. A heavy burden. So imagine you're having trouble paying your bills, and now all of a sudden Levi shows up at your house, or his tax booth is right there at the end of your street, and you're reminded every single day of the people who are coming and taking your money out of your pockets and making it extremely difficult to just keep the lights on or put food on the table. What are you going to think about when you come across Levi, a tax collector? He's not a good guy. Uh, Also, tax collectors... Uh, they often would have skimmed from the top. They would have taken some for themselves as well. 
So let's say Debbie pays $100 for taxes. Maybe Levi would have given $95 uh, to the Roman Empire and kept five bucks for himself. Imagine if Levi, imagine if I was a tax collector and I took all the taxes from all of you, but I kept $5 from each of you for myself. Now you're struggling to pay the bills, but think about me as a tax collector. I'm living the good life. And you are reminded of that every single time you see Levi sitting at his tax booth. So you have to understand if as soon as he is introduced in the story, if you're a good Jewish man or woman and you're reading this, you're like, ooh, why is Jesus talking to him? All right, I have kids. I have really young kids. We watch a lot of Disney movies. Here's the best way I could find to describe or to illustrate who Levi might have been. Do, do we know who this is? Uh, you know the movie Robin Hood? <laughs> Thank you, Adam. This is the Sheriff of Nottingham. Uh, we recently watched this movie. He is a really, really bad guy. No one likes him. He went around house to house stealing money from people in order to pay their taxes. This is how Levi would have been viewed. Greedy, out for his personal gain, not someone to be trusted, yet Jesus walks up and he says, follow me. Now, I have translated this for you uh, in my own personal translation three different ways. Here's what Jesus would have been saying. I could use a guy like you. Or, you're the kind of follower I need. This is mind-blowing, is it not? A dishonest, greedy man, and Jesus walks up to him and he says, hey, You're the kind of follower that I I need you to be part of my inner group. Or here's the third way. You're the kind of person who can change the world. You're in the first century, Jewish man or woman. This is not what you're thinking when you read this story. You're like, all right, Jesus totally saw wrong with this guy. Totally misread the situation here. And yet here's what Jesus walks up to him and says. He's like, you, I, I want you. You're going to change the world. Now, here's a question. What has Levi done to prove his worth as one of the 12 disciples of Jesus at this point? Here's the answer. Absolutely nothing. Actually, quite, quite the opposite. He's done everything to disprove himself as a disciple or follower of Jesus. We see a dishonest, selfish, greedy tax collector. Jesus sees immense worth and value. We talk about our vision, welcoming others into God's love. Here's what we mean by it. We believe that everyone is worthy of receiving God's love. Remember, I told you we're going to keep things very basic, very simple here. When we say we're welcoming others into God, we believe every single person is worthy of receiving God's love. Uh, We believe that everyone is invited to follow Jesus right where they find themselves. What had Levi done? Nothing. Everyone is invited. Follow me. Follow me. It's a universal invitation regardless of where anyone happens to be. Uh, Then here's the third 
the thing that we mean by it, we desire to be a group that offers this welcoming love of Christ to everyone. Uh, Let's move to the second part of this story. Movement two, the banquet at Levi's house. We're told that Levi throws a party. He gets up, he follows Jesus, he throws a party. Who does he invite? All of his friends. You know what this is? Uh, This is Levi's Google review. Uh, How many of you have left Google reviews before? Maybe Angie's List reviews? I remember uh, when we were doing our house renovations, I was trying to find different contractors. The way in which I would try to find contractors, I would try to get personal recommendations, people who have used other contractors before, because that always seems to be the best. So if you use somebody like, hey, I have the best carpenter. Let me give you his name. The carpenter has done some really, really good work, and you want everyone to know about his work. You want others to use him for their work. Oftentimes, I would read Google reviews to see what people had to say about this particular business. Now, you have to kind of sift through the reviews a little bit. I get it. But what Levi was doing, he was throwing a party, and he was saying, hey, I I want all of you to check out this person. I want to introduce you all to Jesus. Now, I I was looking at Google reviews. Can I just share with you the best Google, the best five-star Google review that I read? Because if you're going to write a review, here is the best way to write a review. Uh, It's for a fish restaurant. I've never eaten a fish in my life, but I recently went for a swim in the ocean and was bitten by a fish. I'm not sure what kind, but it hurt. So I decided to get my revenge by eating its friends and family, harnessing the power of aquatic supremacy. Who comes up with a phrase like that? Aquatic supremacy. That is the phrase of 2023. I know we're two weeks into it, but I think that one might hold through the whole year. Now, I wasn't sure what type of fish was best for this, but Stephanie actually did a really good job explaining the various species available for consumption. She even went into detail describing their textures, aroma, and flavor of each. She then helped me narrow down my options to the meal that was right for me, and I loved every last bite. I got Cajun-style catfish with zucchini and dynamite fries. Thank you so much, Stephanie. You really know your fish. Don't write a Google review unless you're going to aspire for something like this. Yeah, Levi, he, he was writing a review. He was saying, hey, let me show you what happened to me. I, I experienced something, and I want all of you to share in that experience. So he invited all of his friends who just happened to be tax collectors because that was his business. Uh, that's who he hung out with. And we then move into this third part of the story. And the religious leaders, the teachers, began grumbling and complaining. What's he doing? Hanging out with this crowd? I mean, it was bad enough that he brought Levi in to his inner circle. It was bad enough that he told Levi, follow me, but, but now there, there's more of them? He's inviting more of this group, these types of people into this community, this group that, like, he can't do this. 
This is against the law. This is against how God works. This is unrighteous. Who does Jesus think that he is? What we see here is the opposite reaction that uh, Levi had to Jesus. Levi, he had an open heart. He wanted others to come to the table to experience the love and the grace. This invitation that he accepted, he wanted others to step into that invitation as well. But then you have the opposite response. You have the, the religious leaders and their hearts, instead of being opened, they were closed. There's no more room at this table. We can't bring others in, to ex- especially people that are like that. There's no place for them here at the table with Jesus. So here's the resolution for us this year. Be a person of love and welcome for all. I want to break this down. Uh, I want to make it really, really practical with a story and a question. A couple years ago, after service had ended, I was standing in the back. We used to meet at another building. And someone came up to me immediately after service, made a beeline for me. They said, hey, can, can I talk to you? Well, sure, of course. Well, they started going into sharing some concerns that they had about a few people who were attending Awaken. And they wanted me to address their concerns in one of my sermons. And I said, I'm not going to do that. Oh. No. And then I told them, I said, as soon as we start excluding one person from this community, we're no longer a church. As soon as we start saying who can and can't be a part of church, of this community, we've lost the plot. We're no longer a church. Church is for every single person. The love of God is for every single person. No exceptions. There's no one who is excluded. And as soon as we start excluding people and saying who can and can't be a part, we cease to be a church. A community that expresses the grace and love of Christ for all people. Now there's this book called The Great Spiritual Migration by Brian McLaren. Absolutely love this book. He has a chapter about love that is probably one of the best chapters, uh, one of the best things about love that I have ever read. I was revisiting the book this past week, and he had a question in there within this chapter that deeply, deeply challenges me. It challenged me when I first read it a couple of years ago. It still challenges me today. Uh, here's what he says in the book. Thousands of church boards will meet this month asking a predictable set of questions. How do we pay the bills? What do we do about declining numbers? Why don't young people attend anymore? 
How can we find good staff when we can't afford decent salaries? And yes, all these are practical questions that need to be addressed, that need to be asked. He says, but sooner than many people think, tens of thousands of church boards will meet to ask the question. Here's the question I want to raise for us today. What can we do to better teach our people to love? Imagine if that was the question at the center of every church. What can we do as a church, as a leadership team? How can we better teach all of us to love? This question challenges me. It reminds me of what is most important. It reminds me of, this is why we're here. This is why we exist. We're a community of people that gather together in order to learn to love in the way of Jesus. Now McLaren goes on, and he lists the 14 qualities of love in his own translation, uh, listed in 1 Corinthians. And I want to read those 14 qualities. Here is what love looks like. It's how God expresses love. And it's how we are being invited to express love in our lives. Love is essential. Without it, nothing else matters. Love's at the center. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is generous, not envious. Love is appreciative of others, not boastful of self. Love is humble, not arrogant. Love is courteous. It's not rude. Love is flexible. It does not insist on its own way. Love is gracious, not irritable. Love is merciful, not resentful. Love is positive. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love is resilient, bearing, believing, hoping, and enduring all things. Love is perpetual. It never ends and it never goes out of style. Love is supreme, even greater than faith and hope. Is there a quality here? that stands out to you? That resolution for us, be a person of welcome and love for all people. Is there a quality of love that you desire to focus on this year? As a church, we want to be asking the question, how can we better teach all of us to exhibit this way of love in our lives? It's the way of Jesus. It's the invitation that we are being offered to walk in this way. As we begin 2023, here's my charge, (laughs) my hope for Awaken as a whole and for us as individuals, that we would commit to being intentional about growing in love this year. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for this story of Jesus. The story where Jesus walked up to a tax collector. Someone not seen as the best, the most honest. And yet you saw worth and value. You saw someone worthy of love. 
So God, I pray that for all of us here this morning, that we would first be reminded of our worthiness. No matter where we find ourselves this morning, your love is with us. And so I pray that we would be reminded of that truth. And then God, as we are reminded, as we walk in that truth, I pray that we would be people who extend that love to others. God, that we would be people who see the worth and value of every person we come in contact with. God, I pray, as Levi did, God, I pray that our hearts would be open. God, that we would desire to see others experience the love that we have experienced, the love of Jesus that we have experienced in our lives. So I pray for us at Awaken that we would continue to be a community who welcomes all people. God, that we would be a community of open arms, that others would come to experience in a tangible, felt way the love of God here at Awaken. And I pray in our own lives that we would grow in our capacity to love. I pray that uh, this church, we would be asking that question, how can we better teach all of us to walk in the way of love, the way of Jesus? So I pray that we would keep that at the front of all we do here at Awaken in this new year. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.